When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan men's basketball team lost another close game to a good team, and their NCAA tournament hopes are on life support as a result. We're talking hoops, hockey, and some football news coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here uh, Monday morning, February 13th. It's, uh, it's been a week since we last talked. Uh, it's tough. It's tough sometimes. Three three schedules when we're outside of football season and we're all on different, you know, kind of different schedules here trying to coordinate. But glad we can we can talk now. There's, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we can start. We can start with men's basketball. Same old story. Uh, and I'll, I'll just admit if, if, uh, you know, our readers are, are wondering where was the coverage of this game? Did Andrew Kahn bail on the team? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a rough one for me, uh, arrived at Chrysler feeling just fine. And then they're singing the pregame unity song, lift, lift every voice and sing beautiful song. If you watch the Super Bowl, you heard them sing it before that game. And, uh, yeah, started, uh, starting sweating and I'm loosening my tie and unbutton my shirt. And I'm saying, uh Oh, this is not good. <laughs> Got to the bathroom just in time. Um, come back, get my stuff and go home. Um, thinking I'm gonna, you know, well, as, as one usually does after such a thing happens, felt immediately better right away. Thought I could get through the game message. Our boss, like, I, I have to co- have to cover this one from home, but you know, I got it. Well, at about like the under eight of the first half, I'm like, yeah, that's that's not happening either. So uh, listen, listen to Brian and Terry on the radio uh, curled up in the fetal position in my bed. Oh, man. Uh, but um, yeah, have since have since watched, uh, you know, watch the game so I can I can now talk about it and watched all the, the post game stuff as well. And yeah, in a way, I had seen the game already because Michigan has done this over and over <laughs> again this season. So it really was was nothing new. Um yeah, just mistakes down the stretch, uh, and and failure to capitalize on a, on a great opportunity. So they lose sixty two sixty one to Indiana. This wouldn't have been a monumental upset. I mean, Indiana's ranked right. Michigan's not. Indiana's firmly in the NCAA tournament field. Michigan is not. Michigan was a two and a half point favorite in this game. You know what I mean? That's what playing at home can mean. And Indiana was down a starter. Like this, this game was there for the taking. Um, heading into it and then and then during it. Um, Hunter Dickinson scores inside with five minutes and 12 seconds left in this game. Michigan goes up by three points. They don't score again. Um, and that that really was the difference. And that's what, you know, Joan Howard talked about after. Um, so, yeah, rewatching, rewatching it uh, or watching it, I guess, really, for the first time. Um, there were there were eight possessions after that Hunter Dickinson basket, eight. And Michigan didn't 
do anything on any of them. Um, and that's really what what Joanne talked about was guys doing their own thing instead of running the offense. And you saw it on that first play. Jed Howard doesn't pass to Hunter Dickinson, just wide open, and he just doesn't get the ball into him. You see Hunter kind of hang his head like, what's going on? Ends up with a Kobe Bufkin late shot clock, deep three. Uh, next time they get it to Dickinson, uh, he feels a double team, gets it to Terrence Williams, wide open three, missed. Uh, next one, Hunter Dickinson, good look inside, misses. Uh, they had a couple other decent looks after that that they simply missed. Um, you know, that that's just going to happen. Um, and then the final possession, I, I'm not really sure. Jawan said it's what he drew up. It just they didn't get what they were hoping for. Uh, they went Buffkin Dickinson high ball screen. It kind of looked like he could have got it to, to Dickinson on the roll. He doesn't. He ends up stopping, pivoting, kicking out to Jed Howard. Desperation three, no good. So yeah, I just what are you going to say? You're going to say what Hunter Dickinson said after, which is you know this is extremely frustrating. We've had these big moments and we just can't capitalize. Yeah, how how much were they up when uh, when when Hunter Dickinson scored with just over five minutes left? It was only three. It was only um, three. All right. Yeah, you know, but I mean, they were up. They were up seven. You know, midway through sure. the half. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they they were they were ahead for most all of this game. I mean, a strong start to take a seven point lead. Um, got up uh, eleven at one point. Um, but as as bad teams do, or from Indiana's perspective, as good teams do, whichever whichever side you're looking at, um, you know, Indiana finishes the half strong to get within four. Um, and that that, you know, ends up making a difference. Every basket counts when you lose by one. So um yeah, that that's that was the story of this game. Yeah. I was in the the press box at Little Caesars Arena for the duel in the D and I mean wasn't watching the game, but I think heard some people saying, wow, Michigan looks like Michigan did another big win. Are, the, are their tournament hopes alive? And all of a sudden I see the final score. I'm like, whoa, they lost. And yeah, obviously a, a huge hit for their resume as well. I right. flipped it on like midway through the second half, just as the kind of as you were talking, they were playing well for a while. And then they hit that, that cold stretch there in the final five minutes. And it was like deja vu, you know, it's like, I've seen this before. This, this, <laughs> like you know, we we've been talking about Michigan playing well lately, the last week or so, and then here comes you know a game that, like you said, they could have and probably should have won, and you know, they, they let it slip out of their hands. They're down, you know, late late in the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a fine line between you know the 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 good teams, the NCAA tournament teams, and and those that aren't. And I, I think Michigan will be they'll be watching teams in the NCAA tournament, thinking, oh, you know we can, we could have beat them. You know, we, we, in some cases, like, I don't know, Northwestern or, or, or Maryland, or they'll be saying, Oh, you know, we did beat them. Um, but I think that is what's going to be ha- happening is that they're going to be home watching these teams and saying that and not participating. Um, you know, they get the three game win streak, get that momentum, but, but the hole they dug, the margin for error was pretty small. Um, and now, yeah, now, it, now it's going to be tough. I mean, it's not, not impossible. Uh, six games left. Um, you know, four of them on the road, which <laughs> helps in a way because you you need more impressive wins. But um, yeah, I mean, this one's the easiest. Wisconsin on the road, so it's like, okay, if that's your easiest, uh, you know, uh, as far as the road games, and then they do get Wisconsin at home again. So even if you say you want to win those two games, you know, you're, you're beating uh, Rutgers on the road, you're beating Illinois, Indiana, um, and then you know you do get Michigan State at home this this coming Saturday. So um, yeah, I don't I don't even know exactly what it, what it would take. They really just every loss is just so critical <laughs> at this point. They're they're in they're in a real tough spot now. Yeah, they'll probably have to you know run the table or come close to it. You know, get some of those wins. And like you said, it's difficult. A lot of these games are on the road, and as we've seen, the Big Ten is a difficult place to win. Period. Any given night, let alone on the road. So 
backs are against the wall. They've got to come up big. Um, you know, how much of this, the struggles, the inconsistency, I think, do you think is tied to just inexperience, just youth? I mean, they, they seem very young. And like you said, in cru- critical moments, and cru- they make crucial mistakes. And it almost seems to me like, you know, they're just, they're just not used to being in the moment. It's a, it's a great point. It's a fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, at, at KenPalm.com, they do, he does have a experience uh, metric, which is, you know, just based on the the minutes that guys are getting who's in the rotation and what their you know what their age is you know or you know their class standing is how how much they've played before this season and you know Michigan is in the the 300s in that so they're they're near the bottom um now it's not impossible to be uh you know to be low on that and still uh you know have a be good um but you know it 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 hurts you in some of these cases so um yeah it's uh um it's clear that they they are young, um, and Jawan Howard has mentioned it a lot. You know, it's like he often says, "There's only one Fab Five. You know that we were, we were special for a reason because you know um, this this that's not normal that you know freshmen can do what they're doing. Um, they are starting to freshmen absolutely. Um, you know, and Kobe Bufkin's a young sophomore in in you know many senses of the word. He's actually young as far as his age, and he just didn't play all that much last year, so he's he's a third starter. But you know, Dickinson and Terrence Williams are two battle-tested juniors, especially Dickinson. He started his whole career. Um, and I got a fifth-year transfer off off the bench. Um, but but yeah, in, in general, the rotation is is young. So um I do I do think that's a factor. Um, but you know, that's the coach kind of recruits his roster that way, right? I mean, maybe you don't expect to lose the two freshmen you did last year. So um yeah, you'd have sophomores in there potentially instead of some freshmen in your lineup. Um you know, you have the grad transfer point guard you're expecting, and instead he gets hurt, and now you're turning to a freshman. So that's you know as big a drop in experience as you can get there with that injury. Um, but but yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to say. You know, Purdue starts freshman backcourt, and they're you know they're in good position to win the Big Ten. So it's it's hard to just pin it on that. But I think it's yes, absolutely, absolutely a major factor. Um, the women's team they only they only played once this week. They played on Sunday and they won. Nice home win over Nebraska, eighty to seventy five. Uh, you know Leah Brown another big game, twenty one points. Um, the bigger concern for Michigan right now is that is injuries. Layla Filia did not play again. Third game in a row she's missed uh, with an a leg injury. Um, Greta Camp Schrader as well out for the second straight game. So you know two guards. Uh, two playmakers, shot makers, um, out for Michigan. Um, you know they were they were able to win regardless. But um, yeah, we'll see with a with a you know huge game at Indiana on on Thursday and at home against Ohio State on Monday. You certainly want to be at at full strength. So uh, you know we'll continue continue to monitor that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Layla's going to be able to play um, for that Indiana game, but it sounds like she'll be back before the end of the year, which which would be a huge boost. I mean, that's I mean that's when you really you really want her in the lineup. But yeah, it would it would be nice to have her in there against Indiana against a top team, a really good test. But hey, if you can see them again come the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, I mean that's when you really want to be at full strength. So and it's getting in light. I think you mentioned this in the last podcast. It's getting some of these younger younger uh women some some more minutes and and they, who knows they might need them down the stretch so it's tough tough sledding right now injury wise for for the women's team but i think maybe in the long run if they can get healthy they, they might be better for it good points for sure uh yeah so again they they don't play again till till thursday at an indiana team that already won 
uh, already beat Michigan at, at Chrysler earlier this year, super high scoring game. Uh, Luke, as you mentioned, you were, you were attending, uh, you know, a couple of hockey games this, uh, weekend and, and Michigan got it done. It sounded like it was, uh, pretty exciting hockey overall. Yeah. The, the Michigan, Michigan state rivalry seems to be back on, on the ice. So it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, the Spartans have not been very good in the past decade or so. And the Wolverines have kind of dominated the series, uh, and, and they won both games again this weekend, but, um, some pretty, uh, uh, intense games and, and some, especially on Saturday, a, a wild finish. Uh, I mean, back and forth, I mean, it, to be honest, the first period after what happened on Friday night, I mean, the two teams combined for 105 penalty minutes on Friday. Um, there was just no flow to the game after early on because of all the penalties. And I mean, there was not much five on five play, uh, three ejections, two guys, one from each team got uh, kicked out and suspended one game for fighting. So they weren't even able to play on Saturday. And for Michigan, it was Adam Fantilli, who just happens to be the, the nation's leading scorer and a, a star freshman will probably go number two in the draft this uh, this year. So a uh, big loss um, for, for Michigan on Saturday, but they were able to to win both games and almost let it slip away on Friday night. They were up three, nothing in the first 12 minutes. MSU comes back to make it three to two and had some chances late, but an empty netter makes it four to two. And then on, uh, on Saturday, um, Michigan state goes up two to one in the second period. Michigan answers right away with two goals and Michigan state had a strong push in the third Eric Portillo made some unreal saves. It's like, all right, is, is he going to be the one to kind of shut the door for Michigan? And an innocent-looking shot from the point sneaks past Portillo, and we have overtime. And it's like, oh, boy. And the Spartans did a power play in, in that overtime. And it's like, all right, maybe this they can snap this long duel in the D losing streak against Michigan. And uh, Michigan kills it off. And point <laughs> 0.6 seconds left, and Luke Hughes is back door and, and – uh, fortunate about bounce off the end boards, uh, pops right on his stick and, um, just a crazy way to finish. They reviewed it, saw that it was, it crossed the line before the buzzer, ex, um, expired. And yeah, two, another two, two big wins for Michigan. And as they continue to climb up the big 10 standings, but to like writing a, a hockey game or when it's a game like that, I mean, I know, you know, basketball is a free flowing sport, but there do seem to be more and more stoppages overall, especially in the final minute with all the timeouts and fouls and whatnot. But right. Uh, yeah. Like it's, it's like, you can't like, I wasn't able to get the story up right away. Just like I had like Michigan, like storyline ready or done for, late in the game and it would have been easy to finish put off the finishing touches and then mission state stores there at the end and then the power yeah it's like all right well mission state's going on the power play maybe they'll probably win and then you get ready to start preparing for the shootout which actually would have been difficult because it's technically a tie if the teams uh if the teams go into a shootout and you just the shootout is just for the extra big 10 point but it counts as a tie so it, it just would have been weird to write in the headline and all that so this worked out kind of nice but um yeah it's uh it was a wild finish in uh in front of a sold out crowd at little caesar's arena too the the largest crowd in duel in the d history so it's nice to see um both teams pretty relevant again i mean for michigan now they're in sole possession of second place in the big 10 um number three in the pair wise so they're looking good for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament if they can take care of business these last four games of the regular season and in the Big Ten tournament. And for Michigan State, I mean, that 
that last second loss might potentially cost them their season. I mean, they're kind of on the bubble right now as far as the NCAA tournament goes. And to get a tie instead of a loss would have gone a long way for the resume. Uh, they're still at 14th in the pairwise. So there, there's still a chance, but you you would, if you're Michigan State, you would have loved to just just get to the shootout and get that tie and at least pad your your resume a little bit. I mean, yeah, you would like to win the shootout for the duel and the D, but the, obviously the the tournament resume is more important. But overall, uh, an exciting weekend of hockey, and who knows, they they could meet each other again in the in the Big Ten tournament. They seem to be rolling now, seven in a row, and uh, yeah, just just you know playing playing real well lately when you when you want to be so uh yeah we'll definitely keep an eye on that um let's let's move to football a little bit and the super bowl was last night so i feel like we <laughs> should we should mention that maybe we should have even started with it but i don't know who's hosting this thing uh yeah chiefs chiefs beat the eagles in a very exciting game i don't know the final minute it, it could have been more exciting it was trending towards <laughs> being more exciting and then that penalty and kind of the eagles letting the chiefs score and the chiefs not wanting to take advantage made it sucked a little bit of the, of the air out of it but um I saw a couple of headlines from from you guys afterwards. Uh, you know, three three Wolverines, uh, former Wolverines on the Super Bowl winning champion Chiefs. I know Chad Henney. I'm now drawing a blank. Zook, you wrote it, right? Tell me who were the other two? Uh, Frank Clark and Mike Dana. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pair, pair of former defensive ends, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, Clark got flagged, didn't he, for uh, off uh, offside? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, it was cost, but he also had a nice little pressure on a third and fourteen to throw force Hurts uh, to throw it away too. So he was he was more noticeable of uh, of, of the group. Obviously, Henny didn't play. Thought he might have to play after that uh, when uh, Mahomes got tackled late in the in the first half. But um, yeah, I mean, like, like I wrote in the story, who knows if if Henny didn't lead that touchdown ninety eight yard touchdown drive against Jacksonville, maybe the Chiefs don't get to this spot. Um, yeah. So yeah, obviously yeah, nice for them. But to, to me, the biggest takeaway was see seeing all the players slip constantly and say, you know what? I I remember that from being there for the Michigan TCU game, and it looked even worse than yep. it did for the Fiesta Bowl. And it's like, I mean, I remember walking on that field before the game. I'm like, what is this grass? And why why is this the way it is? And I was <laughs> not surprised to see guys slipping. It's just unfortunate for a game like that. Like. I wasn't a huge fan of the venue, regardless, and how far it was from this civilization. Anything. It seemed like, yeah. And then to see the the field not uh, be in that shape too, it's kind of a uh, disappointing. But I mean, still an exciting game. I mean, over seventy points in the Super Bowl and back and forth, and two star quarterbacks. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite entertaining. Not only was the field slick, but it was like chunks were coming out. I don't know if you saw some like some of the shots, like when they were zooming in, zooming in, like during the timeouts, coming back from break and everything. I mean, it was it was destroyed. It, I mean, it was it was not in good shape. It, it, and I was reading articles about it. I think they spent like almost a million dollars for that field. It was like you know, it's been it took a while, eighteen months or something to grow the grass and everything else, and it was just it, not good at all. Like I don't know how the Cardinals put up with that, but nonetheless, um, yeah. We we wrote about it after Michigan's game. It was like it's a very fancy setup where it's a retractable field, and they roll it outside uh, so it can get natural sunlight and rain and whatever, and roll it back in. But they just need to go with artificial turf because this doesn't seem to be working. It didn't seem to help that they had so much on it, like you know, paint wise, as far as different logos and, and things like that. That probably made it even worse. But you know, we knew we knew right away on January one or December thirty first that oh, this is. This field is this is where the Super Bowl is going to be interesting. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we mentioned mentioned Henny, and then after the game, uh, Aaron, yeah, great headline. QB Chad Henny, beer in hand, announces retirement after Super Bowl. Uh, you got me to click in. I was very disappointed. It was a Bud Light. Was the beer, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was an ad or what, because he actually tagged yeah. Bud Light in his Instagram ta- post. But, <laughs> right. but I think the announcement kind of flew into the radar just because obviously he didn't play and he wasn't their starter and everything else. But yeah, he announced at, about an hour after the game that he was going to hang. He was hanging it up. Um, so you know, I look back. He, he spent 15 years in the NFL. Um, you know, it, uh, he had a. If you're a backup quarterback for most of your career, I think you hope to just last a while, and he lasted about as long as you can expect. So you're going to lose it to him. Uh, I think he's 37 years old right now. He's got two Super Bowls. Uh, goes out on top. I mean, how many guys can say that they retire after winning a Super Bowl? There's probably only there's only so many. So, um, you know, successful, fruitful career for him. He made he made a lot of money. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how you want it to go. Without a lot of wear and tear on his body, too. I mean, what a dream. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I, I thought you might go with uh, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback uh, announces retirement after, you know, second Super Bowl victory or something as, the, as your headline. I thought you might try to, you know, scare some folks, uh, you know, <laughs> Chiefs, uh, Chiefs fans. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of on the on the former Wolverines and, and another former Wolverine coming back to the program. Uh, Chris Partridge uh, announced last week that he'll be joining the staff. And, uh, you know, as, as Aaron wrote about it, it's like, he's joining the staff, uh, but don't know exactly what he's going to do. It's kind of it's kind of interesting here because they're they're at max capacity at the time. They're overbooked. Yes, yes. They're full with no availability at this point. Nonetheless, he is on the staff. Uh, I, I've tried to get clarification on this. Um, they, they're not categorizing, categorizing him as anything at this point. Typically guys come in with, as with an analyst tag or a coaching tag. He has neither at this point. So you can kind of read the tea leaves. Um, we've seen situations like this in the past. Uh, the one I tend to point to, uh, was back in, I think 2018 when Ed Warner came on the staff. Originally he was named an analyst. He lasted in that role for about two or three months. Um, and, the, and, and as he joked at that point, he, he was there long enough to try and find his parking spot at Schembechler Hall. But when uh, Michigan had a couple of departures later that offseason, he ended up being promoted the offensive line coach. So I'm really curious to see here what happens. Um, as we know, Chris Partridge uh, coached linebackers and safety at Michigan. He was a special team coordinator who's got experience in that level. Uh, he left Michigan uh, after the 2000, after the 2020 season. Um, or 2019 season, became the, uh, the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Uh, he's been there ever since. Uh, he was let go after this past year. So we'll see what what ends up happening. Um, and as we all know, I mean, he was really well known for his recruiting. I mean, he was a former high school coach in New Jersey, coached Jabril Peppers, helped Michigan land Rashawn Gary, helped land Christopher Hinton, a lot of high-profile, Daxton Hill, a lot of high-profile high guys he was either the primary recruiter on or certainly had a hand in. So I think if you're Michigan, you want him on the recruiting trail. And to do that, he's got to be a full-time member of the staff. Um, if he's an analyst, he can only kind of stay on campus. He can't go anywhere. So he's kind of limited in that regard. So we'll see what happens here. Um, you know, if you're reading the tea leaves, you know, someone's going to have to depart here, whether that's George Hero, linebacker coach, or Jay Harbaugh, who's coaching, currently coaching the safeties and the special team coordinator. Those two seem to make the most sense to me. But again, I, I don't know what this situation, what the plan is. It's going to be interesting all the season. As I was told, Michigan's going to kind of move forward through the spring and kind of figure out his role as time goes on. So we'll uh, stay tuned, as we like to say. 
I mean, I would think that right, like, I know they announced his hiring, but I feel like he, he's got to be in some sort of analyst role. Like, he can't just all of a sudden assume all these recruiting duties and all this without demoting someone else, right? I mean, I know they haven't announced it yet, but like, you can't just wait and announce him something in some official capacity, but like, have him do certain duties that aren't allowed. So it's like, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. And I, I, like Aaron said, I think you need him on the recruiting trail because of all, all the, that's been their kind of Achilles heel here since NIL launched. And maybe uh, uh, Partridge can help them make some headway in, in that area and bring in some of these top guys that he, he has he has done in the past. It's important to point out too, like Michigan's well has kind of dried up in New Jersey the last couple of years, ever since Don Brown left, after since Partridge and, and uh, Campanelli left. Um, Michigan hasn't had a ton of success in, in, in New Jersey. Um, they haven't really tried a ton either just because they don't have a ton of connections. So Parker's coming back obviously helps them in that regard. The, the high school talent remains strong in New Jersey. Uh, Rutgers has done a good job of landing guys the last couple of years there. Penn State has kind of moved in over there. Ohio State, I think, has tried to get in, in the state of New Jersey as well. So um, if Partridge can be a full-time member of the staff and, and go out and recruiting, it, it's going to give them a leg up in the state of New Jersey, an area where they've, They've been successful in, in the past. So uh, we'll see. Um, you know, it, it's important to point out, too, that there is a proposal in the books or on, on like being considered right now by the NCAA of making analysts full-time kind of coaches, allowing them on the field for practice and games. And I think that would expand the recruiting duties as well. That hasn't been passed yet by the NCAA, but it's it's being considered and may something may happen this summer. So that could potentially come into play here. Um, but right now we'll we'll see where things go. But I got to think at some point he's going to be named a, a full time member of the as an assistant coach. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, Partridge was you know let go by Ole Miss you know shortly after the, the season ended. It was in January, sometime early mid January. So interesting that it would it would this would all happen now. But yeah, I don't think he's being brought back for a, you know a lesser role. But I also don't think he can demand oh you know a coordinator role or anything like that because he was just fired. It's not like they're taking him you know. Uh, he, he wasn't. He didn't have a job at the time. So, um, yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to see. Michigan seems set at so many positions. Already made some moves. You know, elevating people. So, um, yeah, something something to watch for sure. Um, yeah. Any any other news with the with the football program that we we want to hit on since we uh, last uh, recorded? Yeah, since we're on the coaching realm, they they have announced two additional hires of analysts. Uh, one, Josh Ginagoga, former quarterback at Northwood. Uh, he spent some time at CMU. He's most most re- most recently the quarterbacks coach and recruiting coordinator at Youngstown State University, which is an FCS school of football. Um, you know, he's coming in as an analyst, offensive analyst, to um, work with um, Kirk Campbell, the new quarterbacks coach. Um, so I think he's probably going to help Michigan in some regard. He'll help Campbell quite a bit. Um, he may have some connections in the Youngstown, Ohio area where Michigan's had some successful recruiting wins uh, of late. And then they recently announced the uh, the hire of Nick Gilbert as, a, an, again, another offensive analyst. Worked at University of Colorado last year with Kyle Devan. He was a former Michigan analyst. Uh, worked with um, Kirk Campbell, as well, or excuse me, he played for Kirk Campbell at Tiffin. And he actually was a high school teammate of Mike Hart. So a lot of connections there. Michigan's bringing on some fresh faces, as they do every year. I mean, they, they always bring on a handful of new analysts. They kind of cycle in and out every single year. Guys get jobs elsewhere, move on. Um, they bring on new faces. So a couple new faces uh, in Partridge, uh, TBD. But, yeah, um, things are kind of getting set. You know, football practice set to begin actually next Monday, February 20th. Uh, they're going to get going for a full week, and then they'll take the following week off for university spring break, and then they'll get going again in March. So, uh, yeah, football's right around the corner once again. 
Gilbert graduated in 2012 from Tiffin University with a bachelor's degree in, did you notice that? It caught my eye. Homeland Security was what it was. <laughs> that was that was kind of a new one for me. I did see that, yes. No more computer crimes going on in Shem Beckler Hall when he's around. <laughs> there, we, there we go. A little uh, early for that, but yes. <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of seems more to me like that's, yeah, that's like, all right, it's kind of a military thing. Interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe some something to ask him about at some point, but um all right, yeah, yeah, I noticed as well the, the Syracuse, New York connections, upstate New York, uh, where where Hart went as well. All right, so yeah, I guess that uh, that concludes this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for continued coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Mm-hmm.